Welcome to the second edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. We're back for another segment. There, The sponsors will have us back. <laughs> and the long list of fans keep growing. Who's having us back? Or we just decided that we'll do a second We just one. decided we're coming back. Yeah. It we so- just said we want to lot- talk more. It sounds a lot better when it sounds like somebody actually <laughs> wanted us back and didn't cancel our show. Uh, Drew Goodman, Julie Brownman, we've known each other for 45 years, which is pretty interesting because Julie's like 41 I was going to say that. Or 39, that's right. Women never move beyond 39. No, no. We uh, we stay 39 for a very, very, very long time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about guys? I've never heard that attributed uh, to guys. This is what bothers me. I talk about this a lot. Okay, like I'll just say this. Like you guys age, you just age better than women. And I think we all know this. Seriously? You yeah. Think? See, like for gray hair, you become the silver fox. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but the ladies, we call Buddy Black the silver fox. Really? Yeah. Buddy's I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking guy. He's yeah. got, you know, silver hair, which is, he's a silver fox. Right. Um, have what about ever... me? Because I don't, I have silver <laughs> on the sides, but I, but I no longer have. I don't have... know if that's what we call you. We call you something. I don't know what we call you. My Luke? good friend Drew. Oh, yeah, no. you looked hurt. I didn't That's mean so it like demoralizing. that. <laughs> not hot. I'm not a silver fox. Um, I'm just. What did she say? I'm just. You're. you're I'm looking. I'm listening. I'm looking at our engineer Jesse right now. I'm like Jesse. Come on, man. There's two of us in the room. I got no help. I, don't I got no go down love. This rabbit hole. There is a trend for women that of letting their hair go gray sooner. Like, you know, women, you, you, we usually dye it until like we're 80, right? We've always, we've seen the woman that's 80 that's dyed hair. Now there's a push for women to let their hair go gray. Just telling people out there, I think I think it's coming. So you know what else is coming? Gosh, knock on this glass, a third postseason appearance for the Rockies. Now that is up, that is up in the air, obviously right now. What makes you think about this team through 90 plus games that you've seen? That this can happen. Is there a party? Think okay. This this can happen. Well, if- I, I think this is a confident team. I used to, and I've said this a lot about you know various teams through the years. I think there was a long period of time where the Rockies hoped to win, and there's a difference between hoping to win and expecting to win. The Los Angeles Dodgers expect to win every night. They expect to win. If it's close in the seventh, eighth inning, they they expect that they'll get the big hit. They'll get the big out if there's traffic against them. The Rockies, by virtue of what they've accomplished the last couple of years, 91 wins last year, winning the wild card game, uh, you know, tying for the division during the regular season. Two years ago, going to the wild card, obviously it didn't, it didn't go well against Arizona down in, in Phoenix, but they expect to win. They have a history now of winning. Now, the first half probably didn't go as well naturally as they wanted. Uh, truth be told, last year they were pretty much in a similar spot you know, at the midway juncture, and then they were the best team in the second half in the National League, winning 50, I think they went 50 and 31, their final 81 games. So they have that reservoir of success and confidence to look back upon. This is still a really good baseball team. They have not pitched as well from a rotation standpoint, and the pen the last month or so is, you know, has been not great. But offensively, they're much better than a year ago. So yeah, they they still when I look at them player by player and I and I look at other teams, they have the ability to be a playoff team, absolutely. What concerns you? And you just mentioned a, a couple of those, but things where you go, okay, this is this is really going to get in the way. 
of this happening. They, they're starting. Listen, the sport never changes. I've said that six million times on the air on television. I'm going to say it here on our podcast. The sport never changes from the big leagues all the way down to when they're you know ten years old. Julie, if you were managing a team or coaching a team of ten year olds, and I'm a coaching a team of ten year olds, and I had all the overgrown ten year olds, all my kids they look like they're twenty and they had silver hair, right? So <laughs> they're all silver foxes. <laughs> And your team rolls in, and they're the Lilliputians, and you have little Johnny on the hill who's four foot nothing, but Johnny has his golden arm and can fire a baseball. Guess whose 10-year-old team wins? My team. The your team with with little Johnny on the mound, right? Yeah. Because he throws gas. Right. And my team of Silver Foxes, who are all the six-foot 10-year-olds, we go down. It's all about pitching, man. It never, it never changes. So the rotation has to be better in the second half to begin with. And I think it will, because I think they underachieved in the first half. So that uh, when you talk about pitching and Rockies pitching, you know, the first thing I think a lot of fans think of is Kyle Freeland, who was sent down to AAA to fix some mechanics. The question is, can do you think what you know about him, can he bounce back and get to, I don't know if it's fair to ask him, can you get to that form from last year where he had the lowest ERA ever at, at Coors Field, but can he get back on track? Yes, would be the answer to your the, the latter question. Mm-hmm. Way back in podcast one, do you remember podcast one we did? Years and years, and yes, last Sport, week. On Denver Sports Podcast. <laughs> yes. We talked about, it was Charlie talking about when he's in a slump feeling, man, will I ever get a hit again? We're talking about one of the great players in, in the game of baseball. And for, for most, we were saying, like, how, how does a great player feel like they're not going to get a hit again, right? Well, for Kyle Freeland, he has a reservoir of success. He was fourth in the Cy Young last year to the point you just made, Jules. He, he had a 2-8 ERA pitching half his games at Coors Field. And what some people may forget, his ERA was actually lower at Coors Field. He had like a 2-4 at Coors Field. So this is a confident guy whose confidence was shaken, as sports will do, particularly baseball. Yes, he can return to the form of a year ago. He may not pitch to that level. Maybe, again, maybe that was a career year. But can he be really good? Can he be a guy that you want on the mound because you feel every time he's on the mound, he gives your team a chance to win, whether it's in Denver or Philly or L.A. or San Francisco? I believe absolutely. And I do believe, not trying to put you know huge pressure on the former TJ kid, but he is maybe the most important guy going forward in the second half. They need him to be, they need him to be good. So you're saying if if Kyle Freeland is the most important rock in the second half, if he doesn't return to that form, then they're going to have real problems. I, I, it, w- it would be tough because I, I expect Herman Marquez to be, um, you know, real good in the second half. Hopefully, mm-hmm. he can replicate what he did in the second half of last year, and we saw flashes of that again in the first half this year. Uh, John Gray, I think's had, you know, kind of a, an under the radar, real good year. And I think, you know, hope that would continue. That's two pieces in a rotation of five, right? They need Kyle to be good. I think Senzatella, uh, you know, he doesn't spin the ball in the baseball vernacular. Great, but he's a terrific competitor. His fastball moves. He gets a lot of ground balls. I wish he, his strikeout rate was higher to get technical, um, but they they need three guys that they know, man, 
this guy's on the hill. Players feel it. They'll never verbalize it. Position players go, great. We got, you, you don't think like the Dodgers when they got Kershaw on the mound or Walker Bueller. They're like, like we, we got this. Yeah, we got this. We're winning today, right? Yeah. Well, last year you felt that way. You know they did when when Kyle was out there or Herman was out there. I think they feel really good about where John Gray is. So you need at least three of those guys. And that's why, again, it's so important for Kyle to return to somewhere near where he was. And it's in there. He's done it. It's not like he hasn't done it. It's like you're hoping and praying that, you know, this guy has the potential. He's done it. He's he's done it for a full season. Okay, so if Kyle Freeland is the most important Rocky from the from the second half moving on, overall, who's the most important Rocky? That's a great question. And there's probably several ways one could go. I think the natural answer to this is the guy who plays third. Yeah. Because he hits in the middle of your order. He has done it year after year after year. You know what's wild? Think of think of the big contracts that were handed out in the offseason last year. You know, some of them were extensions. Mike Trout was an extension, right? Four hundred million or something like that. Um, Machado, Bryce Harper, Nolan. Two of those four were all stars, two weren't. And it's not it, Bryce Harper had a you know, had a solid first half, but he wasn't an all star. Manny Machado really came on late in the first half, but not an all-star. They're great players. Don't get me wrong. But Nolan is so steady offensively and defensively. We had a stat, Julie, for uh, I forget what it is right now. But when Nolan hits a home run in a game, the Rockies have lost like one game. So his presence in the middle of that lineup, and if you were back to our 10-year-old teams, if you were managing, if you were Dave Roberts and you're managing the Dodgers, or if you're Bruce Bochy and you're I'd managing- I'd rather be Bochy than managing the Dodgers. I know you had real tight with Bochy yeah. um, from your San Diego days. But if you're in another dugout, each dugout, each manager always says, there's one guy we can't let beat us because then it's hard to sleep at night. They, you know, you're going to win games, you're going to lose games. For the opposition- as great as Trevor Story is, as great as Charlie Blackman is, if you had to pick one guy, we can't let that guy beat us. They're going to pick Nolan. I feel like he's the only answer. I mean, any other answer you might come up with, you're you're digging a bit. You're I, yeah, yeah, but maybe not because I'll give you one. Okay, Trevor Story. I know he plays as great as Nolan is at third. Trevor is, is phenomenal, as we know defensively. Trevor has the speed component. We we throw the term around five-tool players. There's very, very few five-tool players. Mike Trout's a five-tool player. There's guys who have five tools occasionally, but they don't bring it. You know, it's like they leave four at, at home when they stagger out of their apartment <laughs> or their mansion. Mm-hmm. You know, Trevor brings all five every day. He hits. He can hit for average. I mean, last year he hit over 290, right? You know, at the All-Star break, he's somewhere right around 290. Um, he hits for power, right? Foul line to foul line. He's great defensively. He's got a great throwing arm. And he flies. So, And he plays a more important position defensively than Nolan at third because the ball, you know, the shortstop's in the middle of the field. So you could make a case that, boy, it'd be tough without Trevor. It'd be tough without either one of those guys. So those are two, I would say, two of the most popular Rockies for sure Mm -hmm. that we have seen throughout the years. There are some Rockies or at least Rockies performances that have not been popular and the fans at Coors Field have booed. And that always, and you know, I I do think of Ian Desmond a lot. Like they were, the fans were brutal, I think on him last year and sometimes a little deservedly so, but I always get really mad. I really, and I, maybe I'm just a Homer when the home fans 
are booing the home player because that player, Ian knows he screwed up. Like there's nothing or the play, the pitcher knows he, he was terrible. I just don't like it. And I get in conversations with fans a lot. They're like, well, we paid the money. We can express ourselves. Like I get that, but that what's the opposition should be doing is, you know, it's, it's weird to me. So I want to know, we're doing a segment called things that bug the crap out of you. Out of me. Out of you. Yeah. Does that bug the crap out of you? Bugs the shit out of me. Well, that, that's more than crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean that because the only time I think it's fair game if you're a fan, and I know it's your hard-earned money spent to, to bring you and a buddy or you and the family to a game, the only time that I could see it would be warranted to boo a professional athlete is if that rare occurrence took place where it was obvious that player dogged it. That player didn't go hard. That player just went through the motions. But to your point, when a guy drops a fly ball or strikes out with the bases loaded or a pitcher walks a couple guys in a row and it forces in a run or gives up back-to-back jacks, the last person on God's green earth who wanted to stink in front of 40,000 people and thousands watching at home was the guy in the arena. So yes, that bugs the crap out of me when I hear people boo. It really does. Can you buy the, some fans response is, okay, we paid, well, baseball, I it's to me, it's always more affordable, right? Because there's more games and, but you go to a Nuggets or an Abs game or a Bronco game and you know, you're paying sometimes in the hundreds. Lots of money. A lot of money families, parking, food, all that. And you you see some some bad performances. They feel, people feel like they can express themselves like, really? I just paid all this and this is what I'm getting. Well, that that comes with the territory of, of buying your ticket. You don't know what you're going to see. You may be at a game and something magical takes place that mm-hmm. that hadn't been done in, in years and years. Or you just may see a run-of-the-mill game. Or you may see a game where, boy, the team was quote-unquote, flat. Do you have flat days at work? Do you have days where you're not as productive in your office? Does 15 people come in there and go, man, your horse bleep today, right? Uh No, that doesn't happen. And yes, people say, well, they make millions and millions of dollars. They do. A lot of them, not not everybody. A lot of them make, you know, obscene amounts of money. And, you know, some athletes will go, I know that comes also with the territory, but it bothers me. It bothers me because it's easy, Julie, to sit on the sidelines and say, I would have done this. I would have done that. No, you're sitting on the sidelines. You're in the stands, even even to the coaches or the manager. They're in the dugout. They're no longer playing. They can maybe manipulate certain moves, right? But they're not in the arena. So I am a huge, we have, we have the, my kids can recite this verbatim. Going back to the Sorbonne, Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena speech. I've, 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 I've run that speech to 10 year olds that I've coached. I do it with the high school kids at Arapahoe that I coach. My boys, as I said, know it verbatim. We have it up in our house. It's about the person in the arena that's bleeding and sweating and trying gallantly and failing sometimes, and they understand the triumphs of victory and the agony 
of not succeeding. It's not the person, the timid soul that's standing on the sideline saying how it should have been done or how they would have done it. So yes, that bugs the shit out of me. Okay. I, I just thought about this. Which bugs the crap out of you more? Sorry for swearing. That's okay. It, mine is coming and mine's probably going to be twice as bad. Um, Dodger fan or Cub fan? Which one? Dodger bugs- fan bothers me more. Cub fans, you know, they were lovable losers forever. Yeah. And then they stumbled upon, they didn't stumble. They've done a great job under Theo Epstein and, and Joe Madden. Um, I love Wrigleyville. I love Chicago. I enjoy going to LA. I love Dave Roberts. Doc, Doc is, is one of my favorite people in baseball. But there is an overall- I'm talking about Coors Field when they invade our space. Oh, well, there's an overall arrogance to, to you know, Dodger fan mm-hmm. and Dodger, you know, they've been around a long time. So I get it. I understand. I don't like it, but I understand um, the infiltration at Coors Field when it's the Cubs, when it's the Cardinals, it's the Dodgers, on the occasions that the Red Sox or Yankees have played out here. I get it. Those organizations have been around for more than a century and their fan base, you know, is 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 all over the globe, not just all over North America. So I get it. I don't like it, but I prefer all fan bases to that of the Dodgers, just because <laughs> they're in the division and they've won six in a row. They may be on their way to seven in a row, so they are much easier to have stronger dislike and disdain for. I totally agree. Uh, Something else I totally agree on. We both are big fans of Charlie Blackman. Coming up after the break, we're going to hear the second half of the interview that you did with Chuck Nasty. Give me a moment to talk about uh, my good friends at Ideal Home Loans. Ideal Home Loans has been in the market since 2001. So if you are in the market, for a new home, or you're thinking about refinancing, the number you need to have is 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, they've been in the market, as I said, since 2001. They're terrific at what they do. They care about what they do. They're passionate about what they do. I really think you will enjoy your experience with them. I know from experience, I know from other people's experience, they're terrific. 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Give them a call, Ideal Home Loans. All right, now we're back, Drew and Julie. And this is part two of a conversation I had with Charlie Blackman right in front of his trip to the All-Star Game. I think I think when I'm good, yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think I'm limited by anything physically, certainly, and I so I think my skills have continued to get better mentally. I think I'm a little bit sh- better at the game. Um, I think as I play more, I, I'm getting better at limiting my mistakes and understanding what I do well, what I don't do well, and, and figuring out the best course of action, especially in the batter's box. Um, you know, some some things I'm really good at. You know, like I can look for certain pitches or certain locations, or sometimes when things are great, I can just see the ball hit the ball, and and not worry about making mistakes that I that I made when I was younger. You know, not worry about chasing out of the zone or, or you know whatever whatever it is. So so yeah, I mean I I think the game is being played better now than it was a few years ago and a few years before that. I think the game's getting faster and harder to play. And more competitive, and I, and I think I'm still getting better 
even if I was just standing still, you know, to, the, since the game has gotten better, I'm also better. Yeah. Team-wise, how good is this team? How good can it be? What has to happen for you guys to reach the ultimate goal, I know, is, is to be the last one standing? I think we're a really good team. I think we have all of the pieces that we need. And I think that's not unique from most teams. I think a lot of teams think they have what they need. And, uh, and and I think for a lot of teams like us, it's a matter of playing well individually and then collectively doing that on the field at the same time. So uh, we've had stretches where we've pitched really well or hit really well. And we've had a lot of really good individual efforts. And, and I think if we can just kind of make that more consistent and – and, and do it over a long period of time, I think we'll look up at the end of the season and be right where we need to be. Um, I, I don't think that we're good enough to go out there and play bad and roll over teams. Like we're, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do that. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that can do that. And, and that's the beauty of baseball. You know, Any team can beat any other team just by having a good day. And I think you know, if we go out there and, and just be consistent, we don't have to be the best you know, we don't have to have nine guys overachieve out there, but but we need to play well. Just some losses linger, you know, for a fan, if you're up a couple of runs or, or the three at Dodger Stadium in particular where you're even and boom, you get walked off, boom, you get walked off. Does some, does some linger longer from a player's standpoint? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think losses like that, at least for our team, negatively affect us but I will say that if if nothing else maybe it keeps you focused longer right you know, it's hard to be winning by 10 runs and feel like you're having just as good of an at bat in a, as if it was a tie ball game in the ninth right it's hard to like maintain that level of focus that you get from the atmosphere of the game when all of a sudden there's no atmosphere but knowing that uh, we've come from behind and, and won games down five or, or we've let other teams come from behind and win games w- when we're up five. Just knowing that kind of keeps the focus up, even though maybe the stadium wouldn't emit that type of atmosphere. Fly fishing, it is a passion of yours. Do you have any hobbies that are on the bucket list that you're going to check off at some point? Uh, I think I would do more of the like outdoor camping, spend, you know, spend long periods of time out, outside. Survivalist? Uh, maybe there was a time in my life where I thought that would be really fun. Um, but now maybe I'm a little too soft. I, I kind of, I got, I got to where I enjoy uh, air conditioning and, and things like that to, to, <laughs> to just completely uh, go off the grid like that. How much fun is it going to be? Two two questions on DJ. How much fun is it going to be to see him, A, and B, in a strange way, how proud are you of him? Uh, I'm very excited to see DJ, his family. Um, you know, they're just such such great people. Um, I re- you know, really miss the guy. Uh, I miss having him on the field with me. And then it'll be really fun to... to play against him in that all-star game and and then i'm you know i'm not surprised that he he is who we thought he was i mean he went to a different league different team whatever and has become uh 
the same exact guy he was here. You know, like he, he was the same player going out there, you know, playing even better, um, which makes me you know, feel good, even though nobody talks about it. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody thought he was going to be this huge, like, Coors Field drop-off guy. And, and there he is, one of the best players on one of the best teams. And uh, I'm just really happy for him, proud of him. He's, he's done a great job. But I'm, I know that's got to be a tough transition because uh, he's not – I mean, he's not <laughs> – He's not Mr. New York? He's not. It, you know, they love him in New York, and I'm, I'm sure he's – transition quite well but when you think of typical New York baseball that's a very high profile lots of media type atmosphere and I don't think that's DJ's personality but he's figured it out well Jordan's obviously figured it out you know I'm proud of him because I'm a New Yorker he lives on the Upper East Side from what I understand I had never thought DJ lived in the city is that Jordan Jordan his wife yes oh yeah she loves it Oh, but, yeah. but she talks for both of them. So she did she force him into Manhattan? Uh, I mean, it's. I think DJ just wants to live right next to the baseball field. So, uh, so that's. I mean, the fields uh, in Manhattan right there. So I'm sure that was an easy choice for them to be right next to the park. And uh, I, I do think that that she definitely helps. She's very social and. And everybody likes her, and uh, I'm sure she has been nothing but helpful in that transition for him to move to New York. You made a good point, and I've, I've uh, made this as well. It helps validate, and Matt Holiday did this too when he ended up in St. Louis. It helps validate that, guess what? Is Coors Field a great place to hit? Yeah. It's hard for you guys to go on the road because of all that you have to deal with physically and the ball movement, etc., that... Here's DJ, who's one of the elite players in the game still, and not wearing a Rockies uniform. The same uh, situation happened, as I mentioned, for Holiday. So when people look at Charlie Blackman, yeah, he hits really well at Coors Field, but guess what? He's one of the best players in the game. Same thing for Nolan, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think baseball's it's, it's hard to play no matter where you're playing, and I think there are certain nuances of different parks, and certainly Coors Field is more offensive than your average part um but at the same time i mean that doesn't change the drastically change the game right like no i mean dj's still doing his thing um you know in a completely different league not coming to course field and and i just think it kind of goes to show you that i mean i mean baseball is a game of adjustments guys are going to make adjustments it's really hard to make adjustments when you play somewhere that has a different atmosphere and feel than everywhere else that you play. It's really tough to do that, uh, especially at the big league level. And so it's it's good to see someone who was successful at Coors Field go somewhere else and then still continue to be successful because, uh, you know, that's not what people are telling me, right? People are saying, oh, it's a it's an anomaly that, that you're doing well and it's only because of Coors Field, but I, I don't believe that at all. Last and most important question, and I believe I've asked you this before, would your wife recognize you if you had no beard? <laughs> uh, she's never seen me without it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, she's only seen pictures. 
I don't know. I think I could walk right by her, and I don't think she would know. If I cut my hair and cut my beard, I think I would walk right by her, and she would not have any idea. I think if if I made eye contact with her, she would. But uh, still, so you you, you haven't lost the confidence. You're still a handsome guy. I mean, I still think I'm ridiculously good looking, and and she has, you know, toyed with the idea of of me shaving which doesn't really mean anything because I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing. Um, but she has expressed that she would be okay if I shaved. So I guess she thinks I'm somewhat good looking without it. So the day you retire, it comes off? I don't know about that. I, I, I really like it. Uh, I will, you know, at some point go back, I think, go back to a, a Mom come around on it? Mom likes it. Mom likes it. My grandmother hated it. Um, I think it was, I think people were, my family, people that knew me best were slow to get on board just because they knew me so long without it, that it was hard for them to picture me, you know, to get accustomed to it. But I think now everybody, everybody likes it. I truly don't think that he can ever shave that beard and play for the Colorado Rockies. I think it would jolt us into a place we don't want to be. He can't shave the beard while he's a baseball player. No. No. There's no way. And I think he's acknowledged that. It's now part of, you know, who he is. No, he can't shave that beard. Now, when he retires and he's Joe Citizen, even if he's in the woods somewhere, looks better with a beard in the woods, but um he can't he can do it then. Can you imagine can you imagine the day that he cuts that thing off there's a lot of work involved man that was years and years of yeah growing that well thing. remember when john gray he cut his uh hair for was it locks of love yes yes that was a big deal because sure. he had had that long hair for so long and now we're more used to it but that was kind of his defining thing and i think that's why the national media too you know they know statistically he's a great player but nationally, I think that that's how people are. That's what they point out to how they recognize Charlie Blackman. It's always about the beard. Yeah, he's beard. identified that. Well, certainly in, in our part of the country. But mm-hmm. you know, Charlie's a four-time All-Star now. So nationally, um, people, he, he's far more recognizable. He may be more recognizable than Mike Trout. If Mike he was Trout walking down the street yeah. in St. Louis which is a great baseball town. I'm not saying people wouldn't recognize Mike Trout, but they go, Chuck Nasty, right? The beard. <laughs> I think you're totally right about that. People know Charlie Blackman, Mike Trout. We know what he does on the field, but I don't know if we were walking down the street in Denver if you'd recognize him. Okay, so switching gears. We know those oh, I have guys. have to get this thing in first. What? I love that little kid. Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman. <laughs> Just Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman. That kid, that was his 15 minutes of fame or his like two months. You're telling me it's downhill? The kid's like 18 months old. <laughs> How want to say dark that. that is, Julie. <laughs> Kids got nothing to look forward to. Done. My 15 minutes of fame happened when I was in a high chair. It's all over. Listen, we know this. It's all over. Charlie um, Bachman. <laughs> Charlie Bachman. Okay. Switching gears. Broncos training camp. Just starting up. This is a very proud franchise. However, the last few years, 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. This season, what do, you, what do we see? What do we know? Heading into training camp where you can go, okay. It's going to get better. It can't be 5, 11, and 6, and 10. There's new energy there. 
first of all, they made a coaching change. Vic Fangio, though he's not been a head coach, and I don't want to slight a very likable guy in Vance Joseph, but it always felt like Vance was not comfortable yet as a head coach. He was still a young head coach. I hope one day he gets another opportunity. I really do. Um, But Vic Fangio seems like, you know what? We're talking about Silver Fox, right? Gray. He's got some gray in the beard, right? He's older. And he's been there, done that, seems more comfortable in his shoes. So just by the very nature of change, you have excitement. And from things I've heard inside their room, their locker room, they're excited about the energy he's bringing to them. Now, does that automatically make them a playoff team? No, it doesn't. Because right now, I'd say Kansas City, clearly, and San Diego, clearly, are better football teams. But I think this is a step in the right direction. I feel like what I hear from the defensive players, they are, they're always going to speak highly of a new head coach, right? Especially a guy from the defensive side of the ball. Right. But when you hear the comments, especially like Derek Wolf, um, also Von Miller is just reiterating everything that Vic Fangio said. Like they are enamored with this guy. I mean, they are, they are kind of back on board. I think they were glad to have a defensive minded coach in Vance. But to your point, I think we all kind of saw he wasn't 100% comfortable. And I think that players probably also kind of picked up on that. So I think automatically Vic Fangio and, and a new coaching staff um, at Donatel, which is, you know, he's, he works well with Vic Fangio. What about Joe Flacco? It always it always starts with a quarterback and it always starts with a quarterback in Denver. I'm looking forward to seeing what Joe Flacco has left in the tank. I'm a big chip on the shoulder guy. I think the best athletes are the guys that are fueled by some sort of slight, whether it is real or perceived. And I think Joe Flacco got forced out in Baltimore, a place where he had a great deal of success, Super Bowl champion, and now they go with the you know with Jackson out of Louisville. And I think he not only believes he has plenty left in the tank, but now he's got additional motivation. And he has talent. He has a lot of talent. And I'm looking forward to watching him. I would be concerned with what he has on the outside because it's changed dramatically. You have, you know, your your best wide out left on the roster who's coming off who's older, coming off a significant injury. I I I think you have to state that. And tight end has been a position in flux for a long period of time, not to mention the offensive line. I still think this team is probably going to have to win more low-scoring games. I hope I'm wrong on that, but I still think it's going to rest with the defense, but I'm looking forward to watching Flacco play. For me, I look at, yeah, tight end is, they've gotten like no production. I think with Noah Fant, they're expecting high things from him as being, you know, a first-round pick. For me, it's the offensive line. It's always with the Broncos lately, the offensive line, and it's a little scary because you've got a new center, You've got a rookie at left tackle. Well, left you got guard, a third, yeah, a left guard. And then Garrett Bowles at left tackle, which is like one of the biggest question marks. You know, what's he going to do this year? And then you've got Juwan James, 
who is at the time was the highest paid right tackle and Ron Leary, who's injury prone. So, well, I want to say, well, part of that's exciting with Juwan James and part of it's exciting, you know, with Dalton Reisner. Part of it's freaking scary. Yeah, no Don't question. Yeah, Garrett Garrett Bowles has to, he's now, what, third year? Yeah. Garrett, Garrett Bowles has to have less holding penalties and lock down the left side, especially with a right-handed quarterback again. That's a must. They have to stay strong inside. If you're getting a push in an older quarterback's face, you have issues. Um, offensive line play is all about cohesion. So you're being concerned about that part of this football team, I think is right on the money. Okay. Prediction as we enter training camp, as training camp is, is just starting, let's do a prediction now on the Broncos season. And as the season goes on, we can amend these predictions. <laughs> Absolutely. Because nobody will remember. <laughs> exactly. That's, why, that, that's journalism uh, 101 <laughs> in this day and age. Throw something against the blackboard. It's with the Twitter, social media universe. Throw a million things against the blackboard and then pat yourself on the back when one of those million actually happens. Right? We'll, we'll How about all the people say. that had uh, Kawhi Leonard a Laker? I know. It's 95% he's going to be a Laker. 90% no he's going to be a Laker. He doesn't follow the norm, right? I know no, he was going to be a Laker. But all of the insiders, and you know who you are, mm. had him. Mm. It's okay. Now I'm getting off on a tangent here. It's okay to wait and react to what something happens. When something happens, right? We have so many people that want to be first. News organizations do this all the time. They've been d done this for years and years and years in the competitive marketplace of of local t news television, right? So they're always like, we were first. We were first. Everybody has every damn story now within a nanosecond of one another. Have you ever uttered these words? I watch Channel 9 because they're always first. Never. No. no you, you watch Channel 9 because of the blue background. That's my theory. That's your thing? On Channel you, 9, yeah. You watch because you like their anchors or whatever it is that one gravitates to a certain channel. It's not because, hey, they were always first. Wow, I didn't realize Donald Trump got elected until I watched Channel 9. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a tornado in Enid, Oklahoma, until I watched Channel 7. Right. The other ones were oblivious to that? That's stupid. Okay, your prediction? That had nothing to do with the Broncos? No. What I just said? I'm going to be an optimist. Okay. And I'm going to say the Broncos win nine football games. Okay. And take I think a that's... nice step in the right direction after back-to-back -back losing seasons. I will go eight and eight. That's still two games better than last year. Mm -hmm. That's the right direction. Because you're Debbie Downer. You want to call me Debbie Downer? Eight and eight's not Debbie Downer. Five and 11 is Debbie Downer, dude. Right, you didn't predict five and eleven, so I'll give you a little credit there. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and listen, there's the NFL season is sixteen events. It's not games. Mm -hmm. There's sixteen events. They'll have an opportunity. They're gonna stay in games. They'll have an opportunity to win nine football games. Drew, we made it through two podcasts together. Is that right? Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is quite remarkable. I'm thrilled. They're Fantastic. gonna have us back for a third. We will see you next week. You got it. Thank you for listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And remember, check out our website at thedrewgoodmanpodcast.com. Drew Goodman Podcast.